This is Crossroads with Clayton King. A big part of my testimony is that I was adopted. My mother gave me up for adoption right after I was born, and I was adopted by a family that raised me. Of course, a few years ago, I found my biological family, and if you've never heard that story, you're about to hear it right now. This is a message I preach for Pastor Phil Hopper at a great church in Kansas City called Abundant Life. It was an adoption and foster care Sunday for them, and I had a chance to tell my story, my testimony of how I was adopted by my mom and dad, but then also adopted by Jesus into his family. So if you know someone who's adopted, I think this will really encourage them. I hope you enjoy this message. And I want to read a couple of verses to you from Romans chapter 8 about what Paul had to say about you and I being adopted as sons and daughters into the family of God. And I'm going to unpack this a little bit and trust the Holy Spirit to not only maybe call some of you to foster and adopt, but maybe even someone today to open their heart to the gospel and to let Jesus adopt you into his family. Now, Paul is writing a letter to the church in Rome. And Rome is the biggest, not only city in the world, but the most powerful empire that has ever existed up until this point. And in Rome, there's a small group of believers, a small church there. That church would literally one day grow to overthrow, overcome the Roman Empire, to supplant the Roman Empire. But in the early days of the church in Rome, there were just a handful of believers and they were living in the shadow of Caesar. They were living in the shadow of the empire and they're trying to be faithful to Jesus Christ, knowing that their faith in Jesus and that their declaration of Jesus as Lord could potentially get them thrown into prison or into the Colosseum in the lion's den. But Paul wants them to understand their identity in Christ. And so he writes this to them and says, so then brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those led by God's spirit are God's sons. And now he's gonna introduce us again to this concept of adoption. It says in verse 15, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. I want to pause here for a moment and I want to draw your attention to this word adoption. When I was in college, I did my senior thesis on adoption in the New Testament. I want you to know what this word is in the original Greek to give you a little more context of how important adoption is to the heart of God. The word adoption in Greek is the word weosethia. Now that's a fancy sounding Bible word, but it literally translates into our word adopt or adopted to be brought in by grace. That is what adoption is. You don't earn your way into this family. You are brought in by the goodness of God. You don't have to be perfect. God was perfect for you. You don't have to earn it. Jesus earned it for you. You don't have to be perfect Monday through Sunday. Jesus was perfect 
his entire life so that you wouldn't have, you don't have to die and pay for the penalty of your sin. Jesus died and paid for the penalty of your sin. You don't have to shed your blood to make yourself worthy. Jesus shed his blood to make you worthy. Adoption, I'm not kidding here. I could not possibly over-exaggerate this. Being adopted into the family of God is the greatest deal in human history. And I double dog Scooby-Doo dare anybody to show me a better deal in the history of the human race than God saying, I'm gonna give you all of my goodness, all of my gifts. I'm gonna let you be my daughter, my son. You have done terrible things and I love you in spite of that. You have sinned and I'm gonna take away your sin. And you don't have to pay a single dime to get in. I will pay the debt you owe and you get to be my daughter, my son, a seat at my table, I will go and prepare a place for you. And when you die, you'll be with me forever and ever. And until you die, you and I are gonna have a personal relationship where I will give you life and joy and peace and abundance and my presence will never leave you. Y'all, this is where the Pentecostal in me starts to come out. Because it makes me happy. It gives me chills, the hair on my arm stands up. I cannot believe that I have received not just adoption, but the spirit of adoption, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, he is the one that adopts us in. And you know what we get to do? We get to call God by his name, Abba. Did you know that the short A and the hard B are the first sounds phonetically that the human mouth knows how to make? God has hardwired into every single soul, Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has put eternity in the hearts of men. He has hardwired into even our language that we need to be connected to our heavenly father. We know that we need a relationship with him so that even the first abilities to speak, the first sounds we can make with our mouths as we develop is literally the name of our father, God. Now it goes on to say in the next verse, verse 16, the spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children, not his subjects, not his employees, not his subordinates. We're his children. God wants a personal relationship with you. He doesn't just bark orders from heavenly headquarters. He wants you to pull up a chair and sit with him. He wants you at the table with him. He wants you to feel his presence in worship. He wants you to pray and he wants to speak to you in prayer. He is your father and you and I get to be his children. Unbelievable. And if we're his children, we're also heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we also may be glorified with him. There's so much deep, rich goodness in this passage. I just wanna concentrate on what it means to be adopted because that's a word that Paul uses inspired by the Spirit. It's not the only place he uses it in the New Testament, but I wanna let you know that if you're gonna be a Christian, the only way you're gonna become one is to be adopted by God into his family. And then I'm gonna share my story with you a little bit, but let me make a few points because that's what preachers do. We wanna make a point, but we also wanna make a difference. So I wanna make a point here, but I wanna make a difference, not just in your life, but in the lives of children that God may call you and your family to foster or adopt one day. First of all, God's heart 
is to love and rescue children. That's God's heart. You wanna honor the Lord, honor children. You wanna serve the Lord, serve children. You wanna make God mad, hurt children. You wanna offend God, hurt children. You wanna get, as we say back, back in, on, on the East Coast in South Carolina where I'm from, you wanna get sideways with God? <laughs> if you wanna get sideways with God, ignore children, hurt children, abuse children. If it weren't for the praying church in America, I am convinced God would have nuked us as a nation for the sin of abortion if it weren't for people like us interceding and praying for his mercy because God himself in Jesus Christ said, it would be better for you that a millstone be tied around your neck and you thrown into the deepest ocean than to offend one of these little ones. When Jesus' own disciples tried to get these, these pesky, loud, obnoxious children to leave Jesus alone, Jesus stopped his disciples and said, you leave them alone. The kingdom of God belongs to them. Let them come to me. God's heart is to love and rescue children. He does this by saving us from our sin, by adopting everybody in this room that's a Christian, everybody at every campus that knows Jesus. You have been adopted. He has rescued you as his child. But this also in practical terms means that of the hundreds of millions of abandoned and orphaned children around the world, God has a heart for his church to love and rescue those children. Let me show you something else about adoption. Adoption is irreversible and unbreakable. Now let me explain that. I told you the Greek word is weosephia. And what I found to be so fascinating when I did the research on adoption in New Testament culture is that in New Testament culture, now let's just think about this, Roman culture, Greek culture, and Jewish culture were all honor cultures. And if you go to uh, places in the world now in the Middle East, if you go to Asian countries, I've traveled in 56 countries, and when you go to other countries outside of the West, they are still honor cultures. In other words, what children do, honor their family or dishonor their family. And in Jewish, Greek, and Roman culture, if you were a child, a natural born child of the family, and you dishonored your family, you brought shame to your family, your family could literally divorce you as a child. You got no inheritance, you got no land, no money, no cattle, they would literally declare you dead. There was one exception in all three of those cultures. Jewish, Roman, and Greek culture, if you were adopted and you went through the legal process of adoption, it was irreversible and unbreakable. You could never be divorced from your family legally. So when you're adopted into God's family, when Jesus says, she's mine, He's mine. I made him and then I paid for him. I made her and then I paid for her with my blood. It is now, it is now a salvation that is irreversible and unbreakable. When you're adopted, there's no going back. And why would you want to? There's one more point I wanna make and then I'm gonna tell you my story. We're not born into God's family, we're born again into it. Understand this, that 
When you're born, I know that some of us have our best moments. Some of us have got some, some accomplishments and some successes, but I hate to break it to you. If this is the first time you've heard this, you're not perfect. And if you think you are, just get married. Your spouse will tell you. And if that doesn't convince you, just have kids. Have a couple of kids. You're not perfect, neither am I. We all know that. So when I witness and share the gospel with people, oftentimes I'll say, are you a Christian? And oftentimes people will say, yes, I was born a Christian. And I have to explain to them the way I'm gonna explain to you right now. My Hindu friends, they believe that if you're born into a Hindu family, you're born a Hindu. My Muslim friends, they believe if you're born into a Muslim family, you are born a Muslim. But as Christians... We believe, and we've believed this for 2,000 years since Jesus. When you're born, you're not born into the family of God. You're born into sin and you're born into death. You're born an enemy of God, a rebel. Something so radical has to happen to save you that you couldn't do it. So when Jesus says to Nicodemus in John chapter three, unless you are born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. Jesus is talking about a rebirth. We're not born saved, we're born dead. We have to be reborn into the kingdom of God. That is the concept of adoption. You must be born again. That's why when people debate me, talk to me, ask me questions as a pastor. You know, Clayton, what do you believe about marriage? What do you believe about homosexuality? What do you believe about LGBTQ+, what do you believe about addiction? What if I was born this way? What if people were born that way? What, what if I can't change, I was born that way? Hey, let me tell you, I don't care how you were born. I was born with all kinds of problems. I love everything that ends with etos. Gorditos, Cheetos, Doritos, Gordita. I love everything that, Fritos. I love everything that ends in Etos. And if I let that desire control me, I would be dead right now. No matter how you were born, you must be born again. And you can be. And that is adoption. We're not born into God's family. We're born again into it. I'll be back in a minute to finish up this message. But before I do, could I ask you to do something? Would you pray about helping us as a ministry financially? We're a donor-based ministry, and as a nonprofit, we depend on supporters and friends like you to carry out our mission of preaching the gospel and making disciples. We have 10 full-time staff members. We have a radio ministry. We have online ministry, free resources, summer camps, student conferences, a missions agency, study tours to Israel and Greece and Turkey. And we do all of that by the support of friends like you financially. And right now, we've actually just purchased and we're renovating a retreat center on Lake Hartwell in South Carolina. If you would like to help us financially, just go to claytonking.com give that's claytonking.com slash give. We would appreciate your help. Now back to the message. Now this is where I wanna share how this happened to me. I knew that I was adopted because my mom and dad told me that from as early as I can remember. I've always known that I was adopted and it was always a special thing for me. My parents told me from a young age and they always affirmed it. In the first grade, we had show and tell, never forget this, I brought a Polaroid picture of my family. It was me 
in a kiddie pool in our backyard in like training diapers or swimmies or something. And my mom and my dad and my grandma and my grandfather, he was a World War II vet, and they're all sitting around in some folding chairs. And I brought that to show and tell in the first grade. And I showed, I said, this is my family who adopted me. First grade show and tell. We had a bully in my first grade class named Michael. He was an eighth grader that got held back a couple of times. He drove to school, had a beard, um, worked a job. <laughs> and, um, and when I showed that picture, Michael bur blurted out, he goes, you must have been the ugliest baby ever born. Your own mama didn't even love you enough to keep you. And man, that kind of got me. So when my mom picked me up from school that day, I got in the car and she could tell because she's a Southern mama. Five foot four, Sunday school, homemade biscuits, sweet tea, just demure little sweet Southern belle. My mom looked at me and said, what's wrong, baby? I said, nothing. She said, no, something's wrong. I said, nothing's wrong. She said, did somebody hurt my baby? I said, maybe. She said, who was it? Was it that big overgrown bully, Michael, who should be in college by now? Did he say something to you? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, what did Michael say to you? I said, Michael said I was an ugly baby, that my birth mother took one look at me and gave me up for adoption because I was so ugly. And my beautiful little, little Southern Baptist, Southern Bell mama looked at me and said, I'll kill him, I will. <laughs> and, once, and once she calmed down, she said, you go to school tomorrow and you tell him his parents got stuck with him. We got to pick you out, like going to the pet store and picking out the cutest puppy. We saw you and said, we want that one. And then listen to how my mom, my mom spoke this to me prophetically. My mom said to me in the car that day, makes a hair on my arm stand up right now when I think about it. She said, we adopted you after you were born and one day Jesus is gonna adopt you into his family and you'll be adopted twice and you'll get to tell everybody about how good it is. And here I am now. Here I am now telling you how good it is to be adopted. I didn't know a whole lot about my adoption story. My parents didn't tell me a lot about it. But then in um, 2010, my mom that adopted me dropped dead of a heart attack, tragically. I preached her funeral. A year and a half later, my dad died. Heart disease, diabetes, liver failure, and I preached my dad's funeral on Father's Day 2012. I lost 10 family members over the course of about 12 years and went through a deep, dark depression. And after my mom and dad passed away, I just became curious about my biological family. Now, everybody that's adopted is different. Some people have this gnawing desire. They've gotta know where they came from. I didn't have that. I didn't. I always loved being adopted. My parents that raised me, they were my parents. But I was curious. I started wondering, I preached to literally millions of people. I was like, I wonder how many people I've preached to that are adopted. I wonder if I've preached to anybody that's like my kinfolk, like my people. Like, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna pray about this. Fast forward to 2019, a friend of mine said, you should take a DNA test with Ancestry.com. So I spit in a vial, screw a top on it, put it in an envelope, mail it off. And a guy at my church told me, his name is Ken, his wife's name is Meg. He said, now Meg is probably weighs 100 pounds soaking wet. He said, my wife could run the United Nations. She's a boss. She's like the FBI. She'll find your family. If you'll just trust her. I'm like, 
Yes, sir, you got it. So I gave her access to all of my DNA with the Ancestry.com website. My wife and I went on a 20th anniversary sabbatical for a month. While we're over in Europe, she finds my family. She sent me an email. She said, by the time you get back to America, I will have pictures, I'll have a family tree, I have found your family. Your mom and dad are both dead, but you've got brothers, you've got sisters, you've got cousins, you've got ancestors that you will not believe. So I come back from Europe, I find out that I'm adopted by, I'm from a family last name, Martin. And I met my sister, didn't know I had a sister. I drove down, my wife and my boys and I, we drove down to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, actually Conway, to a little church called Pauly's Swamp Baptist Church. Pauly's Swamp. I walk into the fellowship hall of this church and there are 35 of my dad's side family members just waiting on us. I walk in, I'm like, hey! <laughs> Tried to hug them all at once. My sister was the first person to come up and hug me. We've become real close since then. She's a single mom raising a beautiful little boy. And then I found out that I also had a brother. So that's my brother Clint holding the baby. That's my sister Paige. And that's my dad. I never met him in the blue hat and the green jacket. That's Frankie Martin. Found out that I had a lot in common with Frankie. So Frankie's brother is still living. His name is Joe, Uncle Joe. And Joe said, uh, hey, how tall are you? I said, I'm six foot three. How much do you weigh? At the time I weighed like 260, now I'm down to 230. Cause you know, I'm 50, I gotta stay nifty. And um, <laughs> he said, your dad was six foot three, weighed about 260. He said, I've watched you preach on the internet. He said, you're, you like to tell stories, don't you? I said, yeah. He goes, I bet you're, you would be a good salesman. I'm like, well, an evangelist is kind of a salesman. I mean. We're not selling things the way the world sells it. He said, yeah, your dad could sell anything. When he died, he owned a gravestone and uh, appliance business. He was selling gravestones and washers and dryers when he died. That's my dad, I never met him, Frankie. Frankie Martin, he, he never met a stranger. Everybody loved him, he was always meeting new people. I'm the biggest extrovert you've ever met in your life. I love people, I got that from him, never even met him. He died before I had a chance to, to know him. My whole life has been God's grace. My whole life has been God's love for me. My whole life has been God rescuing me. I could have been aborted. The story of how I was born, Frankie wasn't even married to my mom. They dated in high school, she broke up with him because he was a player. She gets married to another man. He is fighting in Vietnam. He was literally in the jungles of Vietnam when my biological mom got back together with my biological dad, Frankie. She got pregnant with me, never even told Frankie that she had me. She took a job in Charleston, South Carolina, rented a one bedroom apartment, kept me for nine months in her womb when she could have easily aborted me and ended my life. And the only person that knew I was born in the family was her sister that she swore to secrecy. And I spoke to her sister just months before her sister died. And that's how I put all of this together. That's the story of adoption. It's God's heart to love and rescue children and he uses the church to do it. What kind of stories 
could be in your family's future if you were willing to open up your heart and your home to fostering an adoption. Only God knows, but you could find out. Maybe God is inspiring you to foster, or maybe God is stirring up your family to adopt. If so, I pray that you would take that very seriously. But also, God could be encouraging you to do some other things to help children. My wife and I support a crisis pregnancy center here in our town. Maybe that's something you could do. Maybe you could volunteer. I think the main thing that I wanna convey to you through this message is that Jesus loves you, and Jesus adopted you into his family, and that's the only way any of us are ever saved is to be adopted in. I hope this has been a really encouraging message for you in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to hear this message again, send it to a friend, or learn how to take a next step in your walk with Jesus, check us out at ClaytonKing.com.